the desert dose, you know, at the core is it's about using the bike as a catalyst to help women become the best version of themselves and to do hard things, to do things that they once thought they may not have been capable of doing. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 76 features Shannon Casson, the founder of The Desert Dose. The Desert Dose offers transformative mountain bike retreats for women in the high desert region of Grand Junction, Colorado. The Desert Dose is designed to offer an immersive experience for accelerated personal growth both on and off the bike for women. In this episode, Shannon talks about why she created The Desert Dose, along with pretty much everything you may want to know about The Desert Dose. If you've ever thought about a women-specific mountain bike retreat that offers skills both on and off the bike, the Desert Dose might just be for you. Support for Trail Effect comes from Giants Ridge and Ride the Range in Northern Minnesota. Check out Volumes 1, 2, and 3 of the Range Report to learn more about what's happening in Northern Minnesota at Ride the Range Trail Systems and at Giants Ridge. The value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, now you have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon or Trail Effect. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Shannon Casson and the Desert Dose. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Shannon Casson, who is the founder, leader of the Desert Dose. And we're going to learn all about Desert Dose, but first we're going to learn about Shannon to see how she got to the Desert Dose and where it's located and all the good things about mountain biking that Shannon is doing in the female community. How's it going today, Shannon? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just got done with the uh, afternoon ride and here we are. Fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to share. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get into kind of where we are. And we, this is for those that don't know, and those wouldn't know, this is actually take two. So, you know, we've Shannon and I have Shannon and I have already had one rodeo at this and this is going to be good. That's, that's why we do what we do. You know, we learn and move on. And sometimes, sometimes technology gets the best of us, but not tonight. Exactly. We're going to, we're going to beat it tonight. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I guess um, I can just start with a little bit about my backstory and and a little bit of how I got to where I am. And I guess starting up with my childhood, you know, I, I grew up pacing around my two older brothers playing sports and that they really taught me how to learn, how to fail daily, how to try new things. And my mom and dad really taught us how to have fun. And I really have fond memories of biking adventures with mom and dad, family, friends all over the DC area. And then uh, when I was getting out of college, I knew, I knew my time in, in team sports competing was kind of coming to a close. And I also knew that, you know, as an adult, those opportunities disappeared. And my mom was, was a physical educator and had long ago kind of taught us like the benefit of movement and sports. So 
I knew all I knew, like when I got out of college is I wanted to find a sport that had these three things. And it was number one was outdoors. I, I, I'd spent a ton of time gymnasiums and the time I had spent outdoors, I really, I really, I really found, found joy in it. And number two, it had to be social. I, I want it to be with friends and just that enjoyment factor. And then the three is, is just the fun. So, so the fun piece, meaning um, I want it to be chill and fun and, and not competitive. Um, I wanted to, I didn't want to have to get up and quote train. I, I wanted to just get to go do something. And I had a friend who, you know, I obviously I loved, I'd been biking before and I'd heard about mountain biking and a friend of mine mentioned it to me. So I like, Hey, I went and bought myself my first mountain bike for my graduation gift. And, you know, it's funny at the time, I obviously had no idea the significance of that purchase and how I would fall ridiculously in love with this sport and all that it would bring me to the people and the places and the incredible humans I'd meet along the way. It's really became, become such a personal growth tool for me uh, to learn as an adult, both in skills and personally and, 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 uh, and, along, and alongside kind of paralleling my bike journey, professionally, I spent, I've spent the past couple of decades in physical education, health and wellness education, adventure ed, coaching sports, and, lead, and serving as lead curriculum on these impactful related projects. And along the way, I've definitely, you know, early on, I got involved back in 2007, coaching went mountain biking and, and just part-time for fun. It brought me so much joy. and. You know, and along the way, I've, I've, you know, I've gotten my ICP level two. I continue improving my skills to keep progressing as a rider personally and as an instructor. I think that's so important. And also as an educator, I, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I learned how to cross country ski as an adult. I learned how to skateboard, how to teach yoga. None of, I wouldn't say I'm proficient or <laughs> graceful at any of those, but you know, the fact that like, that's pretty to take that risk as an adult, I think it's, it's pretty important and pretty fun and, and whatnot. And recently I, I took uh, Seth Godin's all MBA and just finished that up in early February this year. And, and I tell you, if that really is the catalyst for wherever you want to go, it's just going to help you get there quicker. So, and then I think too, just, you know, growing up as a female playing sports, I didn't have that many female role models. So as I was teaching, I've always been drawn to create more movement opportunities to connect community members. And along the way, you know, bikes is that easy thing. So I've done event planning for all school bike rodeos, and I've gotten involved with Girls in the Run and Little Bellas and served as 5K race director. So I've done these things to really, that really, I just naturally love bringing people together. I always have personally and professionally. And and I think through my journey as an athlete and a coach, I guess, an educator and mentor and advocate for girls and women in sport, I've continued through the years to observe this pattern of, a limiting, of limiting belief, especially in girls and women. And along the way, it's always like planted this seed in me and inspired me to kind of keep asking this question of like, how can I help move the needle? And ultimately, it brought me to founding the Desert Dose. There's obviously a few steps in there that I, I didn't get to yet, but kind of that's kind of a little bit of the backstory without giving you my whole life story. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple directions that I'd like to take this. Yeah. That you just hit on. Let's talk about a key moment or something you learned from Seth Godin's Alt MBA that you were able to apply since taking that Alt MBA. Cause that's a, that's a kind of a, they call it the Alt MBA for a reason. And it's, it's really different from traditional education. 
Yeah, and I, I think there's there's so much. Um, gosh, that's such a hard question and a good question. I think I'll just share two things, and one is is reframing. So we did, you know, you do you're shipping lots of projects, lots of maybe it's hectic. That's the point of it. It's it's uh, producing a lot of work in a short amount of time to to make to to, to remind you of how much cap- how how much more capable you are than you might think you are. And and one of them topics is reframing. Is just reframing how you see a, a choice, a decision. You can frame it in this light, or you can tur- turn it, flip the page, and, f- and frame it in a totally different direction. And you see it so differently. It can be a very limiting frame, or it can be a, an abundant frame, if you will. So, so that was kind of that, you know, aha moment of just just a re- just a good reminder of like so, you know, when I hear this. And I get decision points now, personally, professionally, and or, or I hear friends or colleagues talking about decisions. I'm thinking, well, it depends how you frame it, because all of it depends. Should I buy bike A or B? Should I ride this trail or this trail? Should I go on this trip? Should I take this job? Should I not? It's it depends how you frame it, and really, in all your outcomes, and it depends how you want to spin it and how you want to tell your story. So, so I think that was really one one just fun, really simple, something we all know, but it's just one of those really reminders like, okay, it's all how you frame your choices and, and decisions in, in the in the world. And and the second I think is is I are I always have known this teaching, but just sometimes getting the language to match with your with your thoughts is just that art of possibility. And we one of the books I highly recommend is reading the art of possibility. It's just a beautiful book and, and such a good reminder of how how I I hope I would want everyone to go through life and just with this sense of wonder instead of frustration of when you're sitting in traffic, instead of road rage of thinking of, wow, isn't this fascinating that this driver is not paying attention or isn't it fascinating that uh, I got a flat tire and I didn't bring any of my stuff out of the trail? (laughs) Like, oh, huh, well, what am I going to do now? Let's problem solve. So it's one of those just uh, I, I just I think that was really a really enjoyable book and a really a really enjoyable book to process and dissect with it with the cohort as well. Yeah, and then one of the other things you had mentioned was getting your ICP certification, and let's go into that because that's we've talked about different coaching certifications on this podcast with a handful of other coaches, and I just like to get everyone's input on a what the certifications have done for them. Because I know as a as a coach of winter sports, becoming a coach and coaching things actually helped me become a lot better at that activity personally, because oh, yeah. you have to reframe, you have to like, you have to be able to demonstrate for one, but then you have to have multiple ways of conveying that message to whoever it is you're coaching, right? Oh, absolutely. Let's dive into that a little bit. Oh yeah. That's the best part is, is, uh, getting, is getting certified is just the learning and the growth and, you know, working through your skills because demoing it, you want to really exaggerate it and perfect it so that the, the participants can really see what, what skills and you need to break it down in different cues and a different language. Cause you know, you might be an auditory learner, but I'm a kinesthetic learner. Someone else is a visual, someone else is tactile. So it's all these components you're piecing together and layering together with your learning. And yeah, ICP, I, you know, I started instructing back in 2007, eight, and back then, you know, they've lots of, there's been lots of iterations of, of bike certifications. And back then I got a, the PIMBA one, that, which is now PMBIA. And, and then I just with 
more just scheduling. I ended up uh, going into ICP, and then and then after pandemic, I restarted level two, and I I'm still working to get in a PMBA course just because again scheduling it's if they they they're every time I'm looking like sold out. Like, okay, not yet. So so I'm hoping to get that in the future. But I think I just I love taking those because a the, the instructors you meet are really fun because hearing their stories of where they're from, how they got into this path, you know how. Did it full time, part time? You know what age group? What where are they located? That that's really exciting too. And just learning, you learn so much from each other, right? There's no, it's like oh, I know everything because I got certifications. Like no, that's just the beginning. And and just like oh, well, you know, and just debriefing with them and like oh, I love that idea. How you taught that, Josh? Oh, have you thought about this? Oh, let's try it. And oh, I tried this one, so this worked well, or this didn't. So it's just that processing, that collaboration piece that I think is 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 so fun and and just a fun uh, learning tool as well. Yeah, for sure. And I've had people on here that both have the PIMBA, which I always get that one confused, the PIMBA and the ICP. And one individual actually had both just like you, you know, and, and I think he actually was back up in Whistler in early, late May or early June to oh, get yeah. the next level of PIMBA. So it's, it's interesting to hear people talk about that. And I think it, it kind of shed some light to people who are thinking about even attending a clinic like what that means for the, co- for the people that you're going to be learning from if you attend a clinic. Oh yeah. I think it's so important. And just, and, and I, you know, just to, just my younger self. So this is funny story back. Gosh, I had gotten my teaching degree, my you know, graduate degree, moved out West, started teaching and I was snowboarding. And one of those, like, Oh, my brother came out from back East. Uh, I was like, Oh, I can teach you how to snowboard. And I hadn't gotten instructed, like you've taught snow sports. I, I hadn't, right, at the time. But just being that naive, that naive, just young, naive. And like, so my brother came out and, you know, I helped him kind of tumble down the mountain ungracefully on his snowboard. And all he remembers was me saying, look ahead, you know, look ahead, look over your shoulder. You, you just point it, just like the most terrible, like funny cues. And then, you know, my, my future, you know, important time, not for my husband, uh, was an instructor and high, high level and whatnot. And then he went out with him the next day because he, he, I think he had a lesson that he couldn't go. And then he was like, oh, oh, this is, this is uh, how you learn to snowboard. Oh, thanks. So he just still mocks me to this day of how, like, you know, and then it was fun because then I, I got the next season, I got my level one snowboard certification. And the first thing I did, Josh, was call up my brother. I was like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should not have tried to teach you how to snowboard. Just because I can't snowboard doesn't mean I know how to teach it. And that was one of those reminders like, yeah, I have learned how to teach, you know, in physical education and, in, 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 you know, et cetera, a ton of movement skills and movement analysis and analyze it. But I hadn't yet done that with snowboarding. So that was pretty, pretty comical and fun. I'll never live that one down. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's the other aspect of that too. It's just, just like the, you know, getting older and becoming more patient with that kind of stuff. Like I know for me, when I was helping people learn how to actually mountain bike, you know, at a younger age, you just, you just tell them to do things and just telling somebody to go down something or whatever doesn't actually do anything for them. I know like they'll like the Nike saying, just do it. It, It's it's actually not great teaching advice at all. Not not a good learning approach. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, my girlfriend has never mountain biked in her life until I was maybe a month ago now. And oh wow. The first day I took <laughs> her out, well, first we went out on a paved path and I taught her just how to use the brakes. Yeah. And how to shift proficiently. 
and what a dropper post was on a just a very basic asphalt paved path, right? Yeah. And then the next time we went out, we were actually on a trip to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we went to a, a green trail and it was, I had to just keep reminding myself to just be super patient and go super slow with her. And, and she liked it and she did good and she is getting the hang of it. And then the next day we went to a bike park. Whoa, whoa. You skipped a couple steps. <laughs> well, he, so here was my thought process. And I think this is actually really good. So one of the barriers of entry for, for mountain biking is fitness, right? Yeah. And so it can be. It can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you can take the climbing aspect out and provide a shuttle and then provide a very, very easy flowy, and I mean easy, flowy downhill that they can coast down and not have to think about really much. That was, that was really the experience that we we're looking for. And she kind of got that. That's you know, awesome. And she did leave happy. So it was all good. And she's looking forward to it again. So that's, that's huge. That's, that's so exciting that, uh, that was a success. No. And I think, I think, uh, you know, have talking about skipping the step, but I think if the bike park has true progressions of a green and a green is really a green beginner trail, then yeah, because it takes away the, the energy exertion, right. Of climbing. Cause yes, climbing is a skill for sure. But if you take that out and you just work on all the others, that's, that's awesome. You can, you can get some more skills in, in a short amount of time. So that's, that's good. That's brave of you to, uh, to do uh, the, the relationship teaching. It's always can be a, a, a interesting little dance for different uh, couples or. Let's, let's dive into your journey into creating the desert dose. And I don't know if it makes sense to talk about what the desert dose is first, or if we should tee it up with the journey to the desert dose. Yeah, I think, I think either. Um, I think, I think I can share, share what, what we are and really, uh, the desert dose, you know, at the core is it's about using the bike as a catalyst to help women become the best version of themselves and to do hard things, to do things that they once thought they may not have been capable of doing. And, and kind of how we get there is, is prior to, re- to the retreat, we, we ask our participants to harness a growth mindset. So we kind of frame some language about the background, about fixed, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And we ask women to move out of their comfort zone into that stretch zone and to navigate fear. And we give them tools, we embed mindset tools because truly to transform our thoughts, we, we need those tools. And, and I think of it as, as kind of four steps of like a red light, an orange, you know, a yellow and a green. So if someone starts that, I can't, I, I can't get a, I can't do that feature. I can't do that trail. I, I can't. And so it's like, okay, well, you can't, let's change. Instead of saying, I can't, we're going to say not yet. I, I, I haven't ridden that trail yet. I haven't tried that feature yet. I haven't done that line yet. So then that just changes your brain. That just shifts from, you know, closed mindset fixed to growth. Like, hmm, like kind of just, it opens. It's kind of like there's a door and just like pushes it open, just like nudges it. And then you get to the point of, okay, it's possible. You see see me do it. You do someone else do it, ride it. Okay. They can do it. Hmm. Maybe I can do it as possible. And then you shift to, you know, yes, I can. Yes, you can. Yes, I can do that. And it doesn't happen in, in 30 seconds. Like, like I just explained, of course. Um, but that's part of this process of, of the mindset. And then along with that, we're, we're riding bikes, right? We're, we're doing the traditional on-trail sessioning, off-trail bike skills. 
And we're, we're pairing that with the mindset skills before, after some reflection time. And we're, sh- and we're creating these shared experiences that really forge new relationships with, that foster connections in this community building piece we do each day of the retreat. And our retreats are four days and, and three nights. And it's really about 72 hours in nature. And, and it's the dose really comes from the four doses acronym for the four happy brain chemicals. And that's dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And those are embedded each day in our retreat, working towards goals, your social, social connections, you have camaraderie, you have sunshine, you're outdoors, all that nature. And that, that really, those happy brain chemicals, I, I would, I hope all humans work to get those every day. Cause truly that's, that's how we function. That's how our brain stays um, optimal. So in all those ways, and then of course, there's that, there's that fun factor of like summer camp because we are working towards goals and progress and growth. And we also have to take a step back and realize along the way, we can't take ourselves too seriously. And we're going to have a lot of fun and laughs along the way. I mean, when you show up at our retreats, you're going to be greeted by coaches who are in a tutu and the tutus say, yes, you can. So we feel like that sets the tone pretty well that, yeah, we're going to do some mindset stuff and, and et cetera. And we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so I think that kind of relaxes women when they show up and they're like, oh, okay. Like, who are these coaches? What is the desert dose? All right. And in these ways, we really create this safe space and this pathway for women to accelerate their personal growth and unlock their potential and, and become that best version of themselves like on the bike and off the bike. And, and that's kind of a nutshell what the Desert Dose Retreats is all about. That's kind of where we're at. So you and I met through a mutual friend, Brooke Gowdy. Yeah. And Brooke attended the Desert Dose. She did. I read her blog and this one, okay. this one kind of puzzled me, but it's, it's going to speak to exactly what you do. Now, for those that know Brooke, she started out, when she started mountain biking, she did a lot of gravity riding. And then she transitioned into doing the tour divide, right? So that's, so she has a lot of reps or basically time riding a mountain bike in different places. But if, and I'm paraphrasing from her blog and her experience at the Desert Dose, but she came into the Desert Dose super nervous kind of with an, I can't, I can't mindset. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. while she had those skills, you guys had to like really get her to like come back to get into her comfort zone of being comfortable on the bike again, even though she's literally spent thousands of hours on the bike. I know it's wild. Cause Brooke is, she's one of my sheroes. I mean, the stuff she's done, the mileage she's put in, I'm like, wow. That's, that's, she's, you know, it's, it's, she's she's an inspiration and, and yeah, and it's, that was, it was really that, that having Brooke there was and watching her from day one, kind of just keep evolving and, and kind of taking these, it's like this onion. She was kind of peeling away layers of this onion that, you know, she had built up. Sometimes you build up these walls, not that she, but all of us sometimes do these walls of you know, you get in your head and in the mindset piece and just, and it was just believing herself, riding their bike. And, and really there was some pivotal moments when 
you know, she, we were on the trail session and, she, and I was like, Hey, get behind me and follow my line. And she kind of got her groove back then. And then there was another, another really cool moment was when another participant was like, Hey, Brooke, can I ride behind you? Because I want to follow your line. And I remember Brooke having kind of this moment of like, what you, you want to ride behind me? That's kind of just, so that gave, that's empowering, right? To Brooke's ride. Like someone wants to follow her line. So, and it was, it was just palpable from, from the first ride Brooke did on day one to day two and three. It was like, I'm at exact moment. I was like, you're back. She's back. There she is. There's the Brooke Gowdy. I know. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was just in the moment. And she was just had this, this grin. I just, oh, I wish I could capture this permagrant she had. And I was like, that, that's it. That's why we ride her bikes. Like, that's, that's what it's all about. So, so yeah, she, that, that was, we were so lucky to have her part of the, uh, our first retreat in April. Yeah. And, and the point of me bringing that up was to illustrate how we can get in our heads and really put oh, our yeah. own barriers up, even though they really shouldn't be there. Oh, it's, I mean, we all do. And, and I mean, mountain biking is hundred percent mental. It's, it's physical for sure. And it's hard. And, and there's like said, the climbing piece, the fitness piece, there, there's so much too. I think that's why I love it. I'm never going to master it, but yeah, that's, and I think, you know, for, I know for, for me, like the mount, having the bike skills is super important, um, but, but without pairing them with the, the mindset skills, it's, 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 um, it's not as effective, right? It, it can leave you in this void of this, uh, this pause of like, wait, I, I have the skills. Why aren't I performing them? Well, your brain, you have to train your brain. Like your brain is a muscle. Like it, it is. It's just, you know, you got, you learn how to do a wheelie, you learn how to do a roll down, you learn how to use your brakes, you learn how to, all these, all these bike skills, but you, you just need to train your brain and practice it too. So, so yeah, so that's, yeah, that was a, that was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's back up and in your brain, bring you to where you wanted to create the desert dose. So it became, it went from an idea to reality. Yeah. So let's, so I think about you know, there wasn't that pivotal moment. I didn't wake up Monday morning and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. It just came to me in a dream. It obviously wasn't like that at all. And I, I kind of, I, you know, after, after we were chatting, I was, I, uh, the other week I did some reflecting. And when I look back so far on my life, I, I think of like, there's been these three decision points that ultimately have put me, have helped put me on this path towards founding the desert dose. And granted, I didn't know it at the time, a couple, two of them, I didn't, two of the three, I didn't know it at the time, but the third one, I definitely did. But the first was, was when I was changing careers in my 20s. In my 20s out of college, I was in the corporate business world, and I'm still a recovering accountant. And I made the choice to enroll in graduate school uh, to pursue a career in education. And I knew, looking around that office, if I didn't act now, I, I might never leave my comfort zone. And hence, kind of that, if not now, when, part of our tagline, is that really, if like, I don't want to wonder what if. I don't want to be that old woman who's cranky and has regrets because I didn't go see if something else is possible because I was too comfortable and I didn't want to. I didn't want to step out of that zone. So, so really, I think that that was that was huge, right? Because obviously, if I never left the business world, I'd still be in my suit back east uh, doing the thing. So, so that that was the first piece. And then I think about the second really important decision was was when I chose to move out West. I grew up my entire life, 30 years, uh, born and raised in Virginia. Love that state. Um, holds a special place in my heart, always will. 
but I was offered a teaching job in Denver, Colorado. And I'd been out West a handful of times and had this like, oh, this allure, like many people do over the West. And I had done a few vacations out here. And, you know, I said, I, I said, I said, yes. I said, yeah, like, why not? Like, let's do it. I was, I was 30. I was single. I didn't know anyone in Colorado and I couldn't have been more excited for in the first week I, I moved, moved to Colorado. I bought my first full suspension mountain bike and interest-free credit card and for the year. And that was probably one of the best decisions that I ever made and ended up getting a little guidebook, a paper guidebook back then, because we didn't have trail forks and all the things. And went and I was from, coming from sea level. So I asked the guys at the bike shop, like, hey, where should I go? And they're like, go to Waterton Canyon. It's like kind of mellow fire road before you get single track switchbacks. Like, okay. So I got my bike and I was biking and I actually met a couple of guys who were hanging out and they, they actually wanted to check out my, my new bike. It was shiny and fancy and, and whatnot. I started chatting and they let me tag along, even though I, I kind of refused to initially because I was from sea level and I knew I couldn't breathe and whatnot. And I was not, didn't feel very fit. But they waited and, you know, we're still lifelong friends. And I was so grateful that um, I was lucky to fall into that, that crew of, of riders. So that was, that was the second one. And I think and the third one was much more recent uh, decision point. It's, it's a combination of the pandemic and my mother's passing. So, she, you know, during, during the pandemic, uh, I shifted, like many people, to remote working. And then in early February of 2021, my mother passed away. And, you know, as any significant change, you know, loss in your life and grief, you, you pause. And, and I pause. And as I sit in my home office, hearing lots of friends saying, I love remote work. I'm never going back to the office. It's wonderful. And I was thinking, you know, how do I want to spend the rest of my days? I mean, I'm super extroverted. I, I love people. I, I love working in groups and collaborating. And I, I knew I didn't want to spend my days behind a desk working solo. Um, I, I just knew kind of way back when I was having that, you know, leaving the business world leap of like, I have more to offer. Like I have this passion. I have this fire in me. Like I, I got to do more. So, you know, due to, so with that, unfortunately, due to COVID, we, we weren't able to honor my mom with a proper celebration of life. Um, and that really made me sad. So that May, you know, Mother's Day is rolling around. I kind of had this like, oh gosh, my first Mother's Day. I thought, mom, like I got to do something. And my mom was, you know, to know my mom was, you know, just, she was full of fun and life and colors and she loved bikes and, you know, she taught the world to juggle and she was loud and she teach, she just loved parties and just people. So I was like, you know, let me, let me see if I can rally a bunch of girlfriends and come to the desert and camp and ride bikes and hang out and just be with me. And I, and I was so grateful a lot, you know, several of them joined in, you know, we rode bikes, we shared stories and we laughed, we cried and we camped in the North Fruita desert. And what really struck a chord in me was how these friends happened to be from like different chapters of my life. Cause I moved around a bit and some of them, many of them were just meeting for the first time. But what I really observed was like through these shared experiences, like their, their connection was deeper and they were just having so much just fun and laughed. Like we were like, we were laughing so hard. And I was like, I had to stop because, you know, it, my cheeks hurt so bad. I was like, I got to stop, you know? And it was this moment just kind of, like kind of stepped back and was like watching them. Cause you know, they were, they were, they were sports. They were doing relay races. Cause my mom was a PE teacher and I had to teach them how to juggle. Cause that was like my mom's mission in life to teach everyone she met anywhere, doctor's office, you name it in church, how to juggle. And 
and it was just like this, there was a spark in me that was just palpable and, and so powerful when I was watching them and thinking like, I knew I wanted to find a way to bring more women together. Like, it was just like, I just knew there was something special here. And I think of, you know, back to my, my biking with, you know, I'd been mountain bike, I'd been coaching mountain biking for, with women, two women since 2007. And um, just as a part-time thing. And I, and through the years, I've been grateful to be involved with so many incredible local and national organizations teaching women's mountain bike clinics just on the weekends. And what, what I was thinking is like, what I've, what I've learned is being out, I've always wanted more like on that Sunday afternoon when the clinic ends and the women are like, great to meet you. Okay. Oh, can I hear some of those cues? Can I write them all down? And the educator to me is like this, I want to offer more. Like I know how brain I've learned about brains, how we learn how emotions affect our learning, how fear plays into it. And these, the mindset piece, I've never heard the mindset piece at clinics. You know, I feel strongly about that piece to become a better writer. And I just kept asking myself like, okay, you know, you think about like aligning your purpose with your passion to help others, right? That's like the, that's the ultimate trifecta. So I was like, how can I use my knowledge, my skills, my abilities, everything I've learned at this point, like to help women be more confident and connect on these deeper levels and find more joy in riding bikes because our world needs more confident women. Cause you know, confident women are kind women and confident kind women get in their communities and they get involved and they they're change makers. So, so with that spark, I, you know, I use that, you know, that passion and, and energy. And I spent morally weekend, hold up my house. Uh, thankfully my husband was gone that weekend. So I was like, okay, I'm alone. I'm just going to write and write and formulate. And, I, and that's when I wrote my first business plan. That was all for me for the desert dose. So that's really those kind of those three decision points were really kind of where it landed me. So, and here I am, <laughs> here we are. I had to chuckle when you said you're still a recovering accountant. <laughs> and then you went uh, into, I put a mountain bike in an interest-free credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I gave up the I gave up the uh, cash flow piece. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that had yeah. to have been a, that had to have been one of the many steps in the process of trying to be trying to recover from being an accountant was being <laughs> less frugal. Yeah, right. <laughs> funny, funny, but yeah, very true. Yep, it's very uh, a different uh, income bracket for sure. <laughs> Let's get into the desert piece of the desert dose. You know, we've talked about, you talked about the retreat you did in Fruta, you know, the pre-desert dose and kind of what brought you to this, but let's talk about where the desert dose is located in that community. Yeah. So, so we host our retreats. Um, I live, I live in Grand Junction, Colorado and the, we host our retreats locally in, in, uh, in Fruta, Loma, Grand Junction. So those classic Cocapelli trails, the North Fruita Desert, 18 Road, and Lunch Loops. And th that are just on the western slope of Colorado. That's just a magnificent place, you know, in the spring with the, when the cactus or cactus are in bloom. In the fall, those crisp, crisp temps and the desert sky, like the sunset, sunrises. And kind of why we do that is, I think, a few reasons. Is one is I think that this our desert terrain offers such a unique and challenging trail features that is a way to, in a similar way of like bike parks, that it's a way to improve skills quicker because there are so much more features in a short amount of time than other places you go and you ride up for three, four miles. It's beautiful, flowy. 
and then there's a feature. <laughs> so, but here it's like, there's a lot of features. So, so it, it's a great way to, to practice skills in, in a short amount of time. And then I just think, I just know I, spending time in the desert is, is just rejuvenating. It, it's that, that energy, the sunlight, it just, you just feel, feel good, especially coming out of winter, people come down here for the spring and get out of the, get out of the snow and it just warms you up to get you ready for bike season. And, and the other piece why we hold them here is, is these trails are, are deeply personal to me. Um, Josh, I've been coming to the desert since I moved to Denver, Colorado, 18 years ago as a weekend warrior, I started doing it. And, and these trails have witnessed me in moments of triumph and failure. And they've really served as my own personal playground as evolving as a rider. I mean, I remember the first time I came here, I was so intimidated. I, I think I walked everything, not everything, but, but a lot, but I got good at the dismount, right? I got good at dismounting restarting skills. You know, back then I hadn't found many females to ride that like to ride technical stuff like I did. So I had my group of guy friends, which I'm super comfortable, right? Growing up with two older brothers, there's always hanging out with one of the guys, you know, so I would end up just spawning them on technical sections. And some point after a season, I remember I just made this choice decision that like, I'm going to learn how to ride these because you know what? I'm getting kind of bored just being the spotter. <laughs> so I went home and I bought a book on mindset, mental toughness. And it was funny because I had learned, you know, all about mindset and practice it and mental toughness, visualization, all that in sports and in, in team sports growing up in college. And then I've used that coaching athletes for the years and in my career, but I just had, for whatever reason, just hadn't transferred them to the bike, which, you know, looking at, thinking of, of it now, it's like, well, why hadn't I done that? So over that winter, I visualized sections of the trail and I came back in the spring and I cleared sections I never had. And it was just the best feeling. Like I was so excited. It was like, I'd won a lottery. I'm like, it was just, you know, that feeling right on the bike and you're like, clear something that you've been dreaming of. You're like, oh my goodness, I just did that. Wow. Like that just happened really. So, you know, these, these desert trails have, have seen me through seasons of life and, and they've, they've see me laugh and cry and heckle and cheer on friends and strangers. And I think just really a piece of my heart and soul is on these trails. And I just love them dearly. And I love sharing them with others and getting and helping others get psyched on these trails. Like, like they've helped me in my, in my bike, in my journey as a mountain biker. Yeah. And I've, I've been to the three trail systems that you just spoke of. I haven't spent yeah. a lot of time there, but they are vastly different. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you get, especially, you know, I think, well, lunch loops is like, you want to get out of your comfort zone yes, uh -huh. <laughs> and find a lot of big rocks <laughs> and learn how to ratchet. <laughs> yes. So you got that, but then you have like, I mean, when I've driven across the country and I've made it a point to stop through there and, and ride like the Loma yeah. exit and riding horse thief bench, while it's not super, super tech, well, getting into it's pretty th technical, yeah. but once you get into it, it's like people talk about going to the Grand Canyon and I think that place is way better. It's pretty, spe it's pretty special. Grand Canyon is pretty, pretty spectacular too. But yeah, it's, it is. It's, and you know, the skies out here, like some, I've done some evening rides, even morning, like sunrise rides out at Horse Thief. And it's just, it's beautiful. Like, like along the river. And I'm like, can someone pinch me? It's just gorgeous. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and, uh, and maybe yeah. it's the more up close and personal aspect that I appreciate more than at the, a place like Horse Thief Bench versus the Grand Canyon, where that's so vast. Yeah. Yeah. But, and Horse Thief is one of those trails. Like it is, 
I mean, that trail is just such a high fun factor. It's just like, I love it. Everything. It's just like, it has you want more. You're like, can I just get, do laps on it? Like, cause it's just, it's just so fun. Well, and the good thing is it's not super long. So you actually can do laps on it. I know. Like, right. Like I definitely have. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Let's talk about some of the other stuff with the desert dose, as far as like accommodations and maybe what uh, someone could expect, you know, as a participant of the desert dose. Oh yeah. So definitely. So uh, pre-retreat, we, uh, we, like I said, we, this participant spend some time, we connect with them and they, they even, they watch a few mindset videos, a couple like um, tech, maybe Ted talks. I switch it up, but just some different things that kind of just sets the foundation of like, okay, uh, and I, the, the goal of that is really to, to get them enrolled in like a learner growth mindset. Like, Hey, yes, you signed up for this retreat. You're investing yourself and let's start with, with language and, and whatnot. So we ask them some, some questions about the riding, where they're at with their bike skills, with their mind skills. Have you ever used mindset skills? Which ones? Visualization, self-talk, et cetera. How's that worked out? And then kind of what's your why? Like why? I want to know, like, if you sign up, why are you signing up? Why are you here? Because I want you to, to think about that and, 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 and reflect like why, what do I want out of this? You know, I'm, I'm taking I'm four days, three nights. I am showing up. I am, I, I'm, I'm all in. So, so I think that's really important. And then we also do a virtual group meet and greet prior to the retreat. And then at the retreat, you show up and, and we are, it's, it's 72 hours in nature and it is um, an intimate size. So we cap them at 12. Like we are small or, you know, 12 or less. So that really is a way for everyone to be seen and be heard, share their voice and allows for deeper conversations and connections. And, and then we camp. So we camp together and it's okay if you never camped, we help each other set up set up tents for sure. You can rent tents, et cetera. Um, I remember the first time I, I am after college, I never camped and a bunch of folks helped me set up a tent. So, so that's just part of that community of paying it forward. And then we do community building, you know, that adventure ed background in me. I like to use that. I like to set the atmosphere and environment where everyone is, feels comfortable and, and to kind of do some, some activities where you get warmed up, but also we don't take ourselves too seriously. So there's some, some sharing, some laughing, some, some uh, just kind of ease that tension if anyone has an anxiety. And then we, we work through some, some mind skills. We, we um, do an activity that then we process it. And then we get into bike skills with, you know, traditionally like bike skills, you know, on the grass or parking lot. And then, and then we're play some games potentially and then we're also, we go on the trail and do sessioning and put it, put it all um, into action and apply it. And we're do trailside reflections and some campfire chats. And, and, and along the way, at some point each day, we do some summer camp kind of shenanigans, I call it, where it, we, we're a little ridiculous. Like we just don't take ourselves too seriously and, and it's fun. And, and it's, it's a blast. Like there's been so fun. And each retreat has been a little bit different. Like I have, it's just a teacher. I mean, I have all these things by toolkit of like, okay, but I kind of read the group and be like, eh, I think they're going to be into this. So I can just throw it on them. And, and it's like, all right, roll up your sleeves. This is what we're doing. And, and it's been, it's been incredible. Um, those, those campfire chats and whatnot, uh, what, you know, creating that space where women feel safe to be vulnerable and share is, is been incredible. And then, and the neat thing too, I think not everyone realizes is, is the retreat is exceptional, hopefully exceptional moving transform transformational experience. But, and then that's just the beginning of the journey because we don't say like we give hugs, you know, Sunday we leave, but that's, we don't, we don't say, okay, see you later. Have a good life. We 
connect with you post retreat. So, you know, we're going to stay connected two months right now with check-ins. We're doing virtual check-ins with the groups. We have, we're on group text threads. We're sharing videos, we're feedback, sharing goals. Each person gets a one-on-one goal setting uh, session with a coach. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty fantastic. And, and ultimately what women get is pairing the mind skills to empower them with, with, a improve their bike skills. So you improve your mind skills, you're going to improve your bike skills. I think, right. That the mind skills comes first, right? Because improve your mind skills, got to believe, got to see it's possible, improve the bike skills that in turn improves your confidence. And then if you're more confident, like anything in life, right. If you're more confident and you're more skilled, you're suddenly you're way more motivated and you're more motivated. You're going to ride your bike more and you're going to have a lot more fun. And really that's ultimately, that's what it's about. So can let, share, creating this opportunity for women to connect with like-minded women. And really it's helping them do more than they think they're capable of doing, period. So that that's uh, kind of that, the Desert Dose experience in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, and I, we're going to go back, but I really like your if not now when, you know, on your, that I saw on your website, because I have a tagline that I, or maybe it's a mindset that I, live by that is the clock's ticking start living oh yeah same similar concept right exactly I love that. exactly right yeah we're not getting younger right <laughs> yeah for sure do you have now you've done a couple of these desert doses do you have you know we talked about brooke a little bit but do you have any stories from anyone else that or maybe like an aha moment from one of the people that participated you know that you'd like to share just to kind of just an example of what you know what someone could expect Okay. And, you know, I think about when I reflect, when, you know, you're onto something when after that first retreat, like I, I, we all had this energy and this like buzz. And I, I remember thinking like that, that one of the campfire nights of hearing Brooke share and, and Aaron share and, and Leslie, and just hearing that um, was as like, if I could bottle this up, and like, if I could, re- if I could record this, which I never would, cause it's so personal and that's what makes it so special. But I was like, if I could bottle up these stories, if someone could and put a video and put it out there, like it would go viral in a second because it was just, it was so real and so raw. And it was just like, yes, like this is, this is what it's, this is what it's about. Like just that, that vulnerability piece and, and really sh- having the courage to share and realize I'm like, you're not alone. <laughs> like we all have moments of, of it. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. We're not, this is not, we're not therapists. We're not any of that. It's just right. It's just getting women together and sharing moments of, of where you're at and how you move past this. And that resilience is, is really what they're sharing. Um, but I'll tell you what, so, so what I think I have to share it too. So, so one example, one is um, Jody from, came in her pre-retreat questionnaire and kind of just first day, just sharing. She just basically shared, she's like, I'm not finding the joy anymore right now in riding. And she's been riding a long time. She's a good rider. And she's, she was feeling less confident and just tentative. And Jody has been involved in the biking, her bike community. She has started women's groups. She has started, you know, she's been the leader of the the kids and boys and girls like race league before so she is 
she is, she knows all about the bike community and the benefits of it. And she knows the bike as a tool for learning and growth. So to hear that was like, wow, this is okay. Let's, let's figure this out. So that was Jody post-retreat or sorry, pre-retreat. And then Jody checking in, you know, you know, one week later after we all hop on a virtual session, like, Hey, how's everyone doing? How was the week? Did you practice any of your tracking, you know, your, your skills, your games? And she's like, Oh my goodness. I, I just can't believe I I've never used for whatever reason. I just, she had never tapped into like visualization and self-talk. She's like, I'm using that. And I'm now I'm going out. I'm like driving to the trail thinking of like what features I want to, I want to ride instead of like kind of getting anxious. I'm like, Oh, Oh, like I kind of want to go around that. She's like, Oh, I want to ride this thing. I want to work on this. And, and she's seshing those features like on purpose and then to make it better. She's, she was coaching some this in June. She had the whole month of, they had lots of girls and boys camps, kids camps. And she was just sharing it, sharing the mindset stuff with all these kids. And so I was like, how awesome is that? So this next generation, these kids are getting it way younger, way earlier than, than some of us ever did. Right. So, and then she was, she was so excited about the tutus that we had just a fun kind of off, just, just a conversation and driving to the trailhead that, you know, cause like I said, our coach tutus right now say, yes, you can. And we were brainstorming because I'm being a teacher. I'm just always creative and thinking of ideas. What if so? We were thinking, oh, what if for the her girls' camps, could you have skill cues on them? Like you know, I you know, eyes forward, finger on the brakes, or who knows, level pedals, or could you have other self affirmations? I was like, oh my gosh, how fun! That'd be a blast. And then I think she even found like a local seamstress to, to make some tutus for, for those girls in her state, which I'm like, this is, this is incredible and hysterical and awesome, right? All in one. So, so that just was one example. And I think I have to share, share a different, a way different example is from her April retreat, there was Kathy who shared pre, pre-retreat that, you know, she's been biking since she was 12, loves biking. She enjoys riding with her partner and she doesn't want to give it up. Um, she's, through the years, she's had a few crashes, like, right, like we all have. And, and she's find herself just recently riding, le- wanting to ride less recently. So she basically said, I'm at the stage of, I want to ride more and improve, or I want to get a gravel bike instead. And she really was, was basically said, can you help me get past this? And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's kind of huge. That's a big ask. Like, that's okay. Let's, let's test this out. Kind of like, okay, let's see if, Let's see, like, this is, this is what, what we want to do. Like, we want to keep Kathy riding mountain bikes for as long as, you know, as long as she can. So, like, I want, I want all of these women to be like the North Shore Betty, right? That, that uh, video recently came out. That's awesome and inspiring. So, so now post-retreat, she shares, sends us a text thread a couple weeks ago. It's her, her, some, her husband or someone videoed her. She's riding these skinnies. Um, and these other features at this little bike park, she was at, she was like at a, her kid's sports tournament. And then the next week she sends a screenshot and it's a calendar of these races. And she goes, I signed up for my local mountain bike race series. <laughs> We're like, no, you didn't. How awesome. And then, and then to even make it better is she sends a picture the next week of her racing in her tutu. Cause another woman who's in her town bought them all tutus. So, so. And then, then the next week she texts is like, Hey, I just did my second wait, second, second race. I won my division. <laughs> and we're like, Oh my gosh, like how awesome is that? So, so yeah, so those are kind of some big, some pretty awesome stories that, you know, I, I think I could spend the entire hour with you, Josh telling more, but I, I won't <laughs> for sake of time. <laughs> now that's perfect. And pretty soon the whole 
every trail system is going to be littered with females and tutus. <laughs> it's, it's been, that's been, yeah, that's been a fun evolution of, um, yeah, I didn't just, yeah, just throw it out there as an optional, optional thing. And it's, it's been fun watching how women react to it. You know, it's been, it's been different for everyone. <laughs> yeah. I think if I, if I encouraged my second daughter to wear a tutu and ride her mountain bike, she would probably ride a lot more because she's all about dressing up. Yeah. Some people are super into costumes and some are like, nah, I'm good. Right. <laughs> so it just depends. So this is, this is where I want to pivot into the community aspect of things. And I ask a lot of my guests or all my guests about what they look for in a mountain bike community. And that might be a community they want to live in, or if they're looking for a place to travel to, and you've lived in a bunch of different places that have great mountain biking. So yeah. you probably have a, a bunch of different experiences and maybe you can highlight, you know, some of those experiences that have really stuck out for you for really good mountain bike communities. Yeah, that's, I, I love this question. I think it's, 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 um, yeah, I, I think, I think the fundamental piece is, is it's gotta be where everyone feels included or accepted and differences are embraced and almost celebrated and you can, everyone can be unapologetic unapologetically themselves and it's there's a culture of fun too so there's got to be group rides and there's got to be some events and you know where yes you can have serious racing events and you can also have people out there heckling and you know whatnot and it's all in the spirit of fun and, and it's it's not about the coolest gear the latest bling sure you can talk about it and, and notice it but it, it's you can show up in clunkers and beater bikes and it just comes down to sharing love for bicycles. Like that's that to me, that's the common thread for, for, for bike mountain bike communities. Yeah, for sure. And what, so more specifically out of the communities you visited, is there a community that sticks out to you as being, as kind of just like killing it in terms of what you just described and places and a place you'd really like to go back to? Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, there's, I mean, when I was, they're all so unique, I think, and, and, and fun in different ways. Uh, in, in Denver, back when I was in Denver, 2004, 2007, there wasn't much going on yet with mountain biking communities, for sure. But there were underground cruiser rides that was hysterical and so much fun um, just in the city. So that was the urban piece of it. And that was like some of my favorites. And then I guess, yeah, so Steamboat, um, Steamboat's a pretty great place. And, and they, they've, I think every community keeps evolving, right? With, you know, now they, they, they're adding events, they're adding women's group events, they're, uh, or group rides, they're, they're getting those, you know, doing a lot for kids, the community, they have, they have a great, some great programs for, for getting kids on bikes too. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's each, it's, each community is so unique. Uh, you know, the, the trail builders, there, rock honey riders, um, do a phenomenal job and they've been working, you know, bike time USA with the grants and the trail building in the last 10 years has been just off the charts. Oh my goodness. What they're doing on Buff pass and, and whatnot is, is, uh, maybe a local Hill Howellson. So, yeah. And I think, and then there's, you know, I was, we were, did a stint in Salt Lake and Park city and, there's lots of weekly races and cyclocross. It's just different. Like that was like more th those trails. There was just this big Utah has this big cyclocross community, and then there you know the Deer Valley, some gravity. You know, it's, so so each one is is just a little different. And then and then we spend a little time up in BC and Squamish, and you know I think my favorite event 
ever so far. And I'm not a racer. Like I'll, you're occasionally I'll get someone talk to talk me into doing a race and it'll be a bicycle event, but I'm just, again, like that competitive piece for putting me on a bike and not competitive. But like, if you and I play ping pong, it's going to get competitive, Josh, <laughs> but like on a bike, I just want to be social. I'm like, Oh, where'd you get those socks? Oh, I love that. Or just chit chat. Um, so I had uh, some girlfriends in Squamish that convinced me to do an enduro. And the only reason they convinced me to do an enduro is because it was a costume. And I was like, Oh, okay. And basically it was an all girl, all, all women's enduro. And it was a costume. It's called hot in your heels. And luckily it was, it was, I got to do it because it was 2019. Obviously we didn't know the pandemic was on the horizon and it was one of the best days. I mean, you know, you, it was super, you know, enduro is the nature of it. It's social because you get the pedal, then you hang out, wait for your turn to drop and whatnot. And, and, and up there, um, only males were allowed to be the volunteers or on the, on the course marshals and there's music and there's bike limbo and there's, there was short jorts and there was just, <laughs> there was just fun stuff that we just like had such a fun time laughing. I mean, and we were, we were on our bikes all day. We didn't do a ton of riding. I mean, we, you know, but it was just a blast. It's like checking out everyone's costumes and it was, it was so fun. Like that, that was to me, that, that was one of my favorite experiences. Um, but yeah, I mean, Squamish was crazy because their, their group social rides are like, are, I, I've seen, I have still follow their mailing list. I mean, they are grown to, I think you have to like RSVP and it's like hundreds of people are showing up to those. So, so it's, and again, I think there's, you know, in here in Grand Junction and, and um, the Grand Valley and Fruita, it's, it's neat. Cause like you said, we have such different trails that, you know, 20 minutes away, you can go ride flowy trails or really technical trails. And we've got Enduro here. Um, my husband just participated in a couple of weeks. So that was really fun. I went out and cheered them on. There's um, cross country race, riding vibes. Uh, there's there's a lot of events, you know, gravel events. So there's there's a lot of kids kids programs going on. There's a lot of some women's. It's it's growing. It's it's really it's really becoming and it already is, but just kind of kind of getting more of its own culture of of a community here, which is really fun to see it evolve. Yeah, for sure. And you even have lift access not too far away. Yeah, we actually just checked, went to Powderhorn. Um, we got to go for opening day and it was so fun, um, super friendly, chill vibe. It was a blast. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's definitely, I need to get back to that, your community. It's been, it's been a decade. Yeah, you need, to, you need to get back out here and do a little road trip. Heck yeah, that'd be a blast. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this thing up, do you have any words of Shannon wisdom? that you'd like to drop to close this one out? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure, Josh. So, you know, I think, I think what, what I'm seeing is women want to keep learning and growing and challenging themselves. And as adults like that, often as adults can, we can kind of put that to the wayside because all the, all the life stuff gets in the way and, and the bicycle is that tool that allows us to happen and creating and while creating this special community. And so I, and so I think I'm, I'm just so, so thrilled with the feedback we've received and just, it's brought me so much joy watching these women from when I met them or even before I met them, I read their pre-retreat questionnaires to where they're at now was just, you know, I told someone if, if, if I only, if the first retreat ran, I could never do one again, that would it, all, all my hours and hours, hundred hours of work would have been worth it. So, you know, like you're, you're in the right field when, when that that's where, how you feel about it. 
And as we're planning our fall retreats, we have got two planned in October. Uh, the feedback we've gotten is, is, is our women from the spring retreats really want to reconnect. And they're like, hey, I want to do another retreat and I want to connect with these women again. So we're going to, we're also going to plan this reconnect retreat for a reunion for all the retreats, all, all the participants from the spring. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. You're going to have to do like new retreats and alumni retreats. I know. So I think, you know, as we grow, we could get to that point, you know? So I think, you know, and I think, I guess if it's wisdom, I mean, I guess it wasn't wisdom. I just more what I'm excited about was, I think wisdom is just, you know, while the bike industry might kind of tell us that we need to have all the fancy things and bling, like I want to remind women and all riders that you, you just need three things to become a better rider. And it's a bike and it's a helmet and it's just that growth mindset and, and, and be willing to learn and fail and play and grow. And, and I think just because we had, uh, we are adults, like doesn't mean we want to stop playing. And, and I think we adults, especially women need more opportunities to move and play and connect and laugh and not take ourselves too seriously. And, and the bicycle is the perfect tool to do that. Well, with that, I want to thank you very much for being patient and working through all these technical things that we've worked <laughs> through and scheduling conflicts and all the things. Cause it's definitely, uh, it's definitely worth being able to record with you. And this has been so much fun. And, and at the same time, we both had a, we had hiccups on both ends. And so we got it done. I know, I know, right. <laughs> failing to failing and learning at the same time. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you making time um, for, for, to have me as a guest. I, I'm really grateful and I'm so excited about all you're doing in your community. And um, I sure hope you come out here so we can ride bikes together. Oh, for sure. It's <laughs> my list of places to go is growing, but there's also, there's those places <laughs> that like remain the top one and two places that to go to and, and Grand Junction and that whole area is definitely top of that list right now. So I really, I really appreciate yeah. you sharing more about those places. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you are new to the Trail Fact Podcast, check out the ever-expanding library of episodes. Don't forget to please leave a rating and review as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Fact Podcast. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature in Trail Fact, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.